0: Welcome, travelers. We're aware
1: that your journey was difficult, but prepare to have your questions answered, for you have been granted an audience with the Masters of Modern. And welcome back. This is Masters of Modern. I'm your host, Alex Kessler, here with my co-host. What's going on, guys? How's it going, Ben Bateman? And today, Craig Blanchett is here in the office from Top Decking Webisodes Network and Toy Surprise Daily. Hey, guys. How you doing? Uh, so today we are actually going to be talking about Fate Reforged and all of the cool cards in it that are for Modern. It's our set review. As with the last set review, we are probably going to not do a deck tech today, though we are going to talk about the ban list because the ban list announcement is Monday. Coming right up. And so we want to kind of break that down. Kester, so I'm just going to jump in here. I wanted to give a huge shout out and a congratulatory
2: hug on the podcast to our friend Andrew Brown who just won GP Denver. We actually mentioned him on the last podcast in the past, which aired in the future, which is now in the past, and mentioned how he was grinding, and he won a GP the day before that cast went live. I know.
1: We it, It's funny, because literally, we're talking in last week's episode about how he's working really hard, he's going to make it one day... Yeah. You know, just grinding all those PTQs and GPs, and he, like, wins before it gets released, so it's just weirdly backdated. It's interesting that our last episode was so time-travel-themed, seeming that this entire block that we're in currently, Magic, is time-travel-themed. So I think there's three tiers of cards. I think there's one card that's for sure going to be banned, and I think that's Treasure Cruise. I think it, it, it warps the format. You know, even though only two decks in the top eight and it didn't win the last GP, literally a third of the field was uh, Blue, Red, Delver, in Day 2, which is ridiculous. And right. Jund was 40%, and they banned Deathrite Shaman and Blood Bloodbrained Elf. If, yep. You know, that's such a, like, ridiculous amount of cards in the top tables that it doesn't make sense for it to stay legal. It's warping the format. I don't think anyone disagrees. So what Tier 2? Tier 2 are the cards that everyone thinks are possible to ban, I think some of them will be, and some of them won't be for different reasons. That's Jeskai Sentency. This includes Jeskai Sentency. Birthing, Birthing Pod. Dig Through Time. Okay. Um, these are those three cards specifically. So Jeskai Senency is a card that breaks a lot of rules for magic. A, it comes down and can kill a person on turn two. But it's turn three. It's a consistent turn three kill deck in the semi-less-resistant-to-hate versions of the deck that use, like, our four color. Or it's a control deck that just combos out in a way that's really resilient in the the newer versions of the list. They don't like that. And one of the issues is that the fact that it kind of plays similar to how eggs did and how storm does where it's like, I'm dirtling and doing my thing for 10 minutes. Oh, I win. And you just sit there and do nothing. And it's terrible for coverage and terrible for timing of tournaments. It's not that slow and it hasn't been putting up that good of numbers in any of the tournaments recently. On the other hand, at the world championship, like half of the field was Jeskai Ascendancy combo decks.
2: Right. And when when you ban Seething
1: Song for similar reasons, it's it's sort of indicative of I think what's what's going to come. Right. And I think it's I would not be surprised if Jeskai Ascendancy got banned. I would not be surprised if it doesn't because it offers a new different type of deck that doesn't exist in the format and it's powerful but it's not too powerful and it's argument there are arguments made that Treasure Cruise is really a bigger problem and right. by taking Treasure Cruise out of the deck, you're Lowering its power level enough to let it stay in the format. So then what do you have to say about Birthing Pod? Birthing Pod is I want actually... to get the Birthing Pod last.
2: Okay, sure, sure. Just because
1: th- there's the most to talk about it. Um, Dick. Next is Dig Through Time. I actually think they're going to keep Dig Through Time. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, I think that the decks that it makes stronger, it doesn't speed them up. And it keeps them in their like turn four. It maybe makes. I think its biggest argument for banning is it makes Twins slightly more consistent. But the fact that on turn four... Delving it only lets you play a 2-drop versus a 2-drop and a 1-drop, or 3-1-drops, like what Treasure Cruise lets you do in Delver, makes it so I don't think it's going to be that overpowered. And it lets them kind of keep one of their marquee Delve spells in I, the format. I also think that when you just look at
2: the... And we've talked about this a lot. We've compared those two cards. But I just think the difference between 1-mana one, one and 2-mana in this format is so significant. It's huge. You have to And yeah, you have to really... To make those delve cards good, you do have to play a specific kind of deck. Right. I mean, they're not you can't just jam those into every blue deck and figure it's going to be good. So, the fact that it's two mana and you have to you have to set your
1: turns up before you play it to get value, it feels like it's it's more fair. Right. And and you know, there's always been a case about modern where like the problem is there's no good blue draw spells. Like, Jace is banned, and Central Visions is banned, and, like, Treasure Cruise added that, but it's really tempo-focused, and there's not a good control card, and Dig Through Time is kind of that. It plays at instant speed, it's more dirtily than Treasure Cruise, because you have to, like, use two mana. I think it really fits in the format, and I can imagine them trying to see what the format looks out without Treasure Cruise, but with Dig Through Time. Kind of what they did with uh, Deathrite Shaman, where, like here's a new card, it's the rare, we want to keep it as the marquee card, so let's wait a little bit and see what happens. Right, right. I can see them banning it, and if they do, it's just because, oh, we just are afraid of all Delve spells, let's get rid of them, but it, I think it's very safe to keep in the format right now, just sure. to see what happens. What the heck is tier three? Things to unban? Yeah. Okay, gotcha. That's good. Get... <laughs> <laughs> what,
0: what do you guys think about the, you know, dig through time, you get more consistency in what you get, but you only get two cards as opposed to, or, sorry, with you get two you can, of the top seven as opposed two to of the top three seven random. as opposed to three random what, what are you guys thoughts on that i mean one you get three cards One, you get two cards that are a little bit more consistent
1: i think that consistency and card selection aren't as dangerous as velocity i think that what treasure cruise does in like extending the power level of delver and Jeskai ascendancy decks is much more dangerous than the ability for splinterton to find its combo a little bit more consistently especially because it's there is no ponder, there is no preordain. This offers a hoop, like hoops that you have to draw like jump around to get there, which I think is an interesting way of the format working. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a delve card that works how it's supposed to, versus treasure cruise, which is a delve card that is a Power 9 card that's hiding within a Delve card. <laughs> it's funny, too,
2: because I, I, I do understand now that they could print that card, that they could print Treasure Cruise without realizing it was going to be a problem, because you think about the deck it would go, in you think about Delver, and in my mind, I go, well, no, I really want my graveyard. I, the Snapcaster Mage. Like, right. I don't want to get rid of my graveyard. You know, for, like This is what you're thinking.
1: And, and that's then, interesting choices. That's yeah. like a choice, and they like you making interesting choices.
2: And then you just watch it. Like, I, I watched a lot of the GP Omaha coverage, and... Every time somebody would cast a Treasure Cruise, it felt like they got seven cards in their graveyard in one turn. Right. I mean, it was
1: ridiculous. Right. Like it, it, You drew new, a new Treasure Cruise, set up the next one. Like, it was just... And, and it's so swingy. When you're playing with Delver, you literally, like, we're par for par. We're one for one in each other the whole time. And then I and I'm, and I'm the treasure cast cruise. Treasure Cruise and cast it all, I'm winning now. And, yeah. like, by a margin that is much larger than you would assume. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so then the last part of the second tier, which is the cards that could be banned, is Birthing Pod. This is the one everyone's talking about, I think, the most right now. It's yeah. the most contentious. It's something they have to be looking at. It offers, It makes it so there's not as much diversity in the format. And I think something that Wizards might be considering, and with the tier three that we'll talk about, which are yeah. unbannings, we'll kind of get into another way they might do this. They may be resistant to banning cards to just bring it back to what it was in August. Like, if they just ban Treasure Cruise and Dig Through Time, and they're like, and there's just like, pod decks and junk decks are just everywhere, and it's just like, look at what August, it's like kind of what the format was in August, but like with Sage Rhino, Yeah, it's not that interesting of a ban. Do you mean Siege Rhino? I do mean Siege Rhino. (laughs) (laughs) There is no card called Sage Rhino, kids. So, Birthing Pod, by getting rid of it, will just completely alter the format. It's a modern format that has never existed. But I and it is on a power level that is so high that it makes sense and it is format warping.
2: Okay, so that being said, if those are the if those are the cards that are in tier two, before we kind of just talk about each of them, because we should give our predictions then move on. Let's now talk about things that could be unbanned before we break everything down.
1: Right. And we talked about this. We did an entire episode on the ban list and like what cards are probably okay to come off there. There are three candidates people are talking about. I mean, one is ancestral visions.
2: Yeah. People have uh, been talking about that for a long time. People have talking about a
1: long time. And I think one of the reasonings right now is if they do not ban Treasure Cruise, which based off of the diversity of Omaha, which is debatable, but the top eight have eight different decks or six different decks. Right. You know, and... If, if Treasure Cruise is legal, there is no reason Ancestral Visions should be legal or uh, banned. Um, I think that's a little flawed reasoning. I think Ancestral Visions is still very good and works in a different way. Um, but as I mentioned before, I think Treasure Cruise is just the one lock on going away and you don't switch them. I think it's just, they're both too powerful. <laughs> you
2: think Ancestral is going to stay gone? Yeah, I think it's going to
1: stay gone. Uh Blood Raid would
2: be number two. Right? Blood
1: Raid off would be number two. Yeah. I think Blood Raid is the most likely of any card that we're going to mention, of any of the if not this one eventually being unbanned. Yeah. Is, we mentioned this before, it took a bullet for another card. It shouldn't have been banned in the first place, really. The other argument for it being banned, other than, you know, power level and it taking a bullet for Death Rite Shaman, is the fact that it didn't, it like, limited diversity in mid range decks. It made it so you had to play Junt. But because of Sage Rhino. Siege Rhino. Siege Rhino. <laughs> because of Siege Rhino. That's no longer true. There is now a actual unique like choice to make between: Do I want to play the value oriented Bloodbraid Elf, or do I want to play the just guaranteed beater of Seed Rhino? Right. And with Seed Rhino the format, there's no real reason for Bloodbraid Elf to be banned. It and, doesn't. And
2: like the reality is, good four drops that aren't named Jace the Mind Sculptor don't need to be banned in modern. Like four mana. You just
1: I mean, there's an argument there are, that they could print four drops that are too powerful yeah. for modern, but Again, like yes, I agree. Like it's it's, it's it's
2: four mana with counter spells existing. It's just it's an expensive spell. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess I guess okay, the reason Blood Red Elf is so powerful at four is because of Cascade, so even if you do counter
1: it, you still get something out of it. Right. And But that's fine. I would rather a good card against Cryptic Command exist and just uh, it doesn't do anything inherently broken. It's right. value oriented. It it can seem unfair at times, but it offers cool choices. You can, you know, Boom Bust comes back as a yeah. deck possibility. I think it offers a lot of interesting things with the format. I agree. Um, the last thing is uh, Golgari Gravestrol. It's just the card that no one thinks should be there anymore. The six versus the five that's legal isn't that valuable. And the best decks that are, like, using the Dredge are Dredgevine decks. And they are, A, cutting their Dredge cards in general. And yeah. Golgari Gravestrol is too expensive to make Dredgevine come back. Sure. So, like, it doesn't offer that much other than the fact that it just it can come down as a beater at 5 right but that's interesting and not necessarily over like a five drop that is big versus like what tron is doing sure. <laughs> like i don't see it being that much of an issue
2: okay so we just mentioned now uh the the one for sure ban card which well or we think which is treasure cruise the three tier two cards which are dig through time uh okay. jeskai ascendancy and birthing pod and then the cards that possibly could be unbanned, which are Ancestral Vision, Golgari Grave Troll, and Bloodbraid Elf. With those seven cards in mind, let's just go around the table here and give a quick prediction, explanation, and we'll move on to the uh, set review. Go first, guess. So,
1: I mean, I've kind of said it already, but I think <laughs> Treasure Cruise for sure out. I think uh, Birthing Pot is out. I think Just Guy Sentency and Dig Duton are in. I think uh, Bloodbraid Elf is in. Uh, I don't think Ancestral Vision is worth putting in and... I wouldn't be surprised if Grave Troll doesn't get put in, but that's my like my wild card, and I think they could unban it and it just wouldn't do anything to the format.
2: Uh, I think they're definitely going to ban uh, Treasure Cruise. I think probably they're going to ban Just Guy Ascendancy because it feels too much like other cards that they've had to ban in the past. I think Birthing Pod's the most interesting one in, in question. It feels, to me, it's very interactive, and Birthing Pod decks are interesting, and they... I don't think they're going to ban Birthing Pod, though that one's on the fence. The first two, for sure. And then beyond that, they probably unbanned Bloodbraid and Ancestral Vision probably stays gone. The others, I don't think anything's going to happen. I
1: think you can't unban both. I think you might be able to make an argument for unbanning one versus the other, but if both are in the format, that cascade into the other is right. too strong.
2: I do think it would be interesting to put Ancestral Vision into the format.
1: I mean, I do. I think right. I think that card... Even yeah. though like Treasure Cruise has kind of proved that draw three cards is maybe too yeah, strong. Yeah, but like
2: t- it's different when you top deck late in the game and you can play a Treasure Cruise versus when you top deck Ancestral Vision and it's four turns later. It doesn't help you in a Delver deck to tr- top deck that when you're going one for one and you know what I mean. You yeah, need to push the yeah, extra free yeah. damage. I mean, Waiting I, four turns. Yeah. Treasure you're still, cruise is it's definitely kind of like
0: better. late game lead instead of like. And that's why that game. card
2: was fair and standard when it, when it pretty much existed for the most part. What yeah, do you gotcha.
0: think? I so I don't have too much to say about uh, all of those cards, but I, you know uh, there are three cards in there that uh, I'm interested in. Treasure cruise, you know, obviously I think that's going to be banned. That is, it does seem too strong to be in the format. Um, but I do really hope that Birthing Pod does not become unbanned because that just seems like a fun deck. It just it, it seems like my kind of deck, the, the deck that I would play. And, you know, that would get somebody like me into the format, which I think is something that Wizards wants to hold on to. Um, and, you know, lastly, Golgari Grave Troll, one of my favorite EDH cards, so I would love to see that come back to the format. I, th- I agree with Kessler that six drop, I mean, it's like, come on, come on. I don't know. I think it would you know, be interesting to see what that does with Delve, but at the same time, I think it'd be interesting, so why not see it?
1: Alright, so that's kind of what we think is going to be banned yep. n- next Monday. Uh, next week, we'll actually probably end up talking about what was banned and what that means to the format. Um, moving forward, let's talk about Fate Reforged. What do you guys just think about the set in general? What's your general feeling on it? I think Manifest is underrated. I think everyone is kind of looking at the set right now, and it has kind of that problem that a lot of the second sets have, where the power level is weird. I think this is stronger than most people's second, most second sets that have come out. Yeah. And people aren't used to that, so they're not really grasping some of the cards that could be very powerful. Craig, I- anything you're excited about?
0: Um, I'm excited about the set. I can't really say too much about it, you know. It's uh, I've taken a look at the spoilers and whatnot, and you know, I'm excited about a few cards. Like uh, I'm, I'm really excited for what this is setting up for is really what it comes down to. This set, I guess, I'm not too
1: excited about, but I'm really excited for the next set. You're, you're, you're waiting for those dragons of Tarkir to come stomping through. And I really am,
0: man. You know, I got in around the time of the first Elder Dragon set, and you know, it seems like they, they could do the opposite Elder Dragon, you know, uh, set. And that kind of excites me. I don't know. There's there's a lot about this set that I think could be really interesting.
2: Yeah, I think uh, definitely the thing that excites me the most about this is probably the hybrid mana symbols on the con cycle. Uh, I just like the activated ability
1: or triggered ability. Yeah, some of them gain really good. About. I mean, we'll talk about, I think there's like three that we'll probably see some amount of play in Modern, and we'll yeah. definitely talk about them. And yeah, they're really cool.
2: So those are exciting. And then uh, beyond that, I, I think Manifest is pretty cool. There's like a deck I have in mind that relates back to something I tried a few years ago with, like, Ether Vile and trying to get cards that have weird casting costs into play, and I think you can kind of combine that with Manifest. So let's actually just start with Manifest.
1: So Yeah, so of the new new mechanics, Manifest is probably the most unique, relevant, and important. Manifest reads that you put a card onto the battlefield face down from a specific area, not necessarily the top of the library, but most often from the top, um, face down, and it is a 2-2, and then you can, if it is a creature... Flip it for its converted mana cost of the creature, no matter what the creature is, even if it does not have morph. Yes. Um, the important things of this are the fact that unlike morph cards where you can only put morph cards down, any creature can be put on the play and there are unique ways to maybe get them out from being face down.
2: Yes, there, it's, it's, it's a strange ability in some ways. It's a cool little take on what Morph did. Morph was not the strongest ability for constructed formats overall. This is a nice way to make it a little stronger. If any ability would try to uh, blink, as in exile and immediately return to play one of these creatures... The most common in modern is Restoration Angel. And it is not a creature. It actually is a land or a sorcery. It immediately flips back to being a 2-2 two, two colorless creature. So you can only unmorph via flipping... An actual creature, which people are talking about cool and other strong creatures. Right, so
1: that can be so the, two, mm-hmm. the three unique ways to use this for are value, where it's like you're just getting a creature and it kind of lets you 60% of the time draw a card because you can flip a creature from under it, which is the least insane. That's more of a standard value, I think. But the two major ones are either cheating in giant creatures using blink effects or um, getting to play creatures that have enter the battlefield effects that are negatives or just herky-jerky
2: casting costs like you can't play it unless you do x y and z or something bad to you happens right and so let's say it costs two mana and it's like a six
1: six like the hunted cycle or your yeah. superior uh, right. scab ruinator or cards just cards that are in firky. older formats for dreadnought and yeah, legacy exactly get, like normally you can't cast it because you need a sack 12 worth of power to get a 12 12 for one with manifest for three mana you get a 12 12
0: Interesting, because it's already in play. It's already in two play, two? right, that's exactly. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, I didn't think about that. Now, what about the cards that are that have morph, you know, as part of the,
1: the creature? So you can, you can morph them for their converted mana cost or for their morph cost. So Sweet. something that's interesting, and it's really only standard draft, maybe even, but Grand Master, I think is what it's called, which is one white, one colorless for a 2-2 two, two, that gives all other creatures plus 2, plus 2 when it's flipped over. Normally, it costs 4 to morph. Now, if you manifest it, it costs 2. So you can, it, it's cute. So that, that's some kind of the things that you can kind sure, of see sure, where sure. there are morph cards that are cheaper, but now you get the effect that they give.
2: Uh, so that's pretty much what manifest does. Right. And there's a handful in various colors. They didn't really make it color specific. They kind of spread it out over every color, right. I believe.
1: And and there are some that are powerful, and there's some that are limited. And same as every mechanic, and but I think there's if manifest is good, there's a gl- there's more good manifest cards than you normally see from a mechanic that could see play a modern.
2: So we're going to rattle off around 20 or 25 of our favorite cards from the set. We're going to go through them. If, if there's any cards that we miss in the set review that you guys are super excited about that we don't cover, please tweet at us. Yep. Let us know. Uh, we we kind of tried to pick out the ones that we thought were most modern relevant. Obviously, we like a lot more than the 20 or 25 cards we're going to talk about here. This is just the ones that we think we have time for
1: today. Let's get started. Cass, go ahead. So first, and we, you know, we're talking about manifest. The first one is Soul Summons. Uh, Craig, why don't you read off what it does?
0: So, Soul Summons is a white sorcery for one white and one other, and it says, Manifest the top card of your library.
1: So, this is Manifest Bear. Like, it literally is exactly, you're getting a 2-2 two, two for two, it it might draw you a card. The nice, th- the important thing to remember with all the Manifest cards is that they're efficient. The efficient ones, the ones that are this low cost, could be very powerful. And this would, if there is a Manifest deck, this might be a piece of it, just due to the fact that it's not that expensive... There's not that much of an opportunity cost. And playing a 2-2 two, two for 2 with an ability is not irrelevant.
2: If this is the white manifest, then I believe the, the green equivalent of this is called Wild Call, correct? Which yes. is the next card we would cover. And that is green, green, and X. It's a rare. It states, manifest the top card of your library. It comes into play with
1: X plus 1 plus 1 counters on it. Yeah, so these two together, there's two cards that can create the 2-2 two, two bear effect for two. The other one can scale up very conveniently. So later on, you can get a bigger creature both let you have the opportunity to then get the creature from underneath it. So if there, you need efficient ways to do it, these are the best one. There are maybe three other cards that are better that have added abilities that cost more, and we'll get to those when we get to them for Manifest. But the important thing to remember is that there is enough cheap Manifest cards that there could be something in there yeah. on curve.
2: It's a unique ability. Modern hasn't seen this ability yet, obviously, and it, it will be interesting to see if somebody can kind of create a deck. This this Wild Call is essentially a Hydra, but for one less mana. Yeah. It's the first time they've ever made... Uh, a Hydra that doesn't cost one plus X. It's zero. It's the
1: first time they've ever printed the green, like finally they printed the green creature, put a XX creature into play for how much mana you spent on it. Yeah. Um, So next, and now we're going to go alphabetically. Okay.
0: So next we have Abzan Beastmaster. It's a 2-1 Hound Shaman for one green and two other. In Uncommon, at the beginning of your upkeep, draw a card if you control a creature with the greatest toughness or tied for the greatest toughness.
1: So, the important thing to remember this, the reason I think this could see play, is in a green deck that's not using black necessarily, curving Tarmogoyf into this starts netting you a giant amount of card advantage if this guy can survive. The problem's, it's at one toughness, so killing it is not going to be that difficult, though then they're spending their turn dealing with your 2-1 while you have Tarmogoyf in play.
2: Yeah, it's it's green card advantage, there's not a great deal of cards in green that just straight up draw you cards. This is also interesting to think about in decks that play heavy toughness creatures, decks like Doran, other things, cards that see some play like Spellskite. That's maybe worth thinking about, but it is turn three
1: and it has one toughness. And and, and something to always be aware of, cards that have either a creature or maybe even a Planeswalker attached to them that gain you card advantage are always something to look at. Like, the reason these cards are good is because they can attack, you're playing a threat, but if they don't, you know, they also are gaining you advantage in some way. That's why Bob is good. That's why Chandra is good. Sure. So, like... Yes, three mana is a lot, but it's better than like something like Harmonize because Harmonize costs you a turn and you draw three cards, but then you didn't affect the board to Do anything. This yeah. could block. This could attack. This does a lot of different things by just being a creature. Sure. And you're getting the possible good card draw dungeon. Uh, next card.
0: So next we have Alicia who smiles at death. She's a 3-2 legendary creature human warrior for one red and two other. She's a rare first strike when Alicia who smiles at death attacks. You may pay hybrid mana, two hybrid mana of white or black. If you do, return target creature with power two or less from your graveyard to the battlefield, tapped and attacking.
2: Interesting card. Uh, A lot going on. Very complicated. Sets up a cool engine during combat where you can be, you know, recursive with a goblin guide or some other cheap threat you've played early. It does cost three, but it's a it's a reasonably costed body at three I mean, two like, first strike for three.
1: Theoretically, you could say it's three mana for a three two first strike that brings in a two two token and draws you a card next turn. Right. So like, there is a lot of value there. It's pretty aggressive, and that's something you know these zoo decks could very well be looking to play. This you, is a great zoo three drop, especially if you know we mentioned earlier, Bloodbraid Elf gets unban. Bloodbraid Elf into this seems good. awesome. But you also
2: have to say to yourself, three mana dies to lightning bolt. Though, it's probably more likely that it would be three mana and brings back something that just died to Lightning Bolt. Right. Like so we'll, the, yeah. they're,
1: they're, yes, it does Lightning Bolt, but these Zoo decks are all about a glut of efficient threats that they have to answer each of them or they're yeah. going to die, and this is just a great way to rebuy the things they answered already. Yeah. And we, I, I think it definitely has potential. Weird name, right? Alicia? Well, It, it definitely feels like a harkback to Kamigawa block, and in that this entire set feel, block kind of feels like that in many ways, that they're like... Kamagawa block was a failure right? They've, in many different ways. This is them being like, you know what? We can do a Asian continental-based set themed around these cultures, but do it in a way that actually is cool instead right. of the like problematic situation they had with Kamagawa. Sure.
0: All right, so next we have Cloudform. It's uh, an uncommon enchantment for two blue and one other. When Cloudform enters the battlefield, it becomes an aura with enchant creature. Manifest the top card of your library and attach Cloudform to it. Enchanted Creature has Flying and Hexproof.
1: So the important thing here is Hexproof.
2: I think this is probably my favorite of the Manifest cards, honestly, even though it's it's sort of uh, underpowered compared to some of what the other ones do. But 2-2 two, two Flying and Hexproof for three mana is not the worst. I don't know how great it is in Modern. I do like the fact, though, that because of Hexproof, the basic removal can't remove in response because it comes into play attached to it. And that even the most common removal spell that could get rid of this, which would be abrupt decay, that could get rid of the enchantment, would still leave you with a 2-2
1: that could potentially be unmorphed. That seems good to me. So I'm the, gonna explore that. The two the two things that I'm looking at, this card, one, a anytime you see hexproof and an evasion, you need to be aware of it. Yep. It like every time they've ever printed their card in the past, it's been a problem somewhere. So that's something that's super relevant with this card. On top of it, the biggest weakness to the I blink my manifested Emrakul into play, making it a giant creature, is that any target removal spell ruins your day. This lets you, you know, on curve, play this, the next turn play Restoration Angel, and you now have a Emrakul in play, and they couldn't have stopped it at any point, which is really important and really good to be aware of.
2: Especially with the, it's blue, and in the early turns of the game, Serum Visions and things like that being available in the first two turns to set that up. Right. So you know what's coming. Exactly. Seems pretty good. Seems pretty good. I like it.
0: All right, so next up we have Dark Deal. It's an uncommon sorcery for one black and two other.
2: Meet me in an alley, I'm going to sell you my organs. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of what the
0: picture looks like. And it says, each player discards all the cards in his or her hand, then draws that many cards minus one.
1: So, you know, this is a Windfall variant. Windfall is a very, very, very good card. This is in black, which has never had this ability available to them. Um, on top of that, it does some shenanigans with, like, the Megrim decks or the 8-post decks or any of the discard kind of themed decks, and is very strong with uh, the community card Waste Knot, because you just gain all of this value from your opponent discarding lands and creatures. Like, you can net 6 mana. You can get a bunch of 2 Like, there's so many cool, powerful things you can do with this. Um, on top of that, Windfall is a good control card. Any control deck playing this is now getting, like, one of the better um, card advantage cards of all time. It, this is worse than that, but it's also less expensive.
2: Yeah, I like this card because in black and modern, the thing that you, we talk about a lot is tapping out on three is bad. It's in black, so tapping out a three and making them discard the combo piece they're holding to beat you with seems pretty good to me. Right. Especially if you've played an early threat or maybe like an Inquisition of Kozilek on turn one and gotten maybe the, the most worrisome thing out of their hand. Just puts you in a position of power if you've played a threat or a bob or anything like that.
1: And uh, one last you know corner case that we've talked about also is graveyard decks, and this is a great discard outlet because you dump your hand, you dump all those Venge into the graveyard, and now you get to draw an extra six cards that lets you rebuy those Venge lines.
0: Next up we have Frostwalker. It's a 4-1 elemental for one blue. And one other. It's an uncommon when Frostwalker becomes the target of spell or ability, sacrifice it.
2: So, this is like the Phantasmal Bear, all the illusion abilities. Right. Uh, it's, it's only
1: super oh. efficient for its convert mana cost.
2: Yeah, it's a 4 1 for 2. Uh, it's interesting because mono blue aggro is like, it's sort of like uh, mono black control over the years. Like People are always like, oh, can you make mono blue aggro? Can so, there's, there's like a possibility now. 4 power for 2 in blue, where you don't have to complicate your mana base. Seems okay. I don't know how good it is necessarily, but that's an idea.
1: Even not, I mean, if there's a blue X deck, whatever other color that yeah. just wants to be a threat-based efficient tempo deck, maybe even, this card could definitely see a home. Especially if any of these t cards that have Ferocious want to see play, but even if they don't, this is a card that definitely can enable just really aggressive starts.
2: Four power on turn two is good.
0: Yeah. It's phenomenal. And, you know, a lot of times with blue, you just need blockers that can kill their creature. And with blue, they typically don't have that. And, you know, so something like this, even if it's just a blocker to kill their creatures. Right. And, and like
1: it. Mono Blue Delver could be a thing. This and this, and then just bounce spells where they just can't yeah. play creatures and you're just attacking them for seven every turn seems decent. I agree. Yeah.
0: So next up we have Grave Strength. It's an uncommon sorcery for one black and one other. Choose target creature, put the top three cards of your library into the graveyard, then put a plus one, plus one counter on that creature for each creature in your graveyard.
2: So I threw this on the list last, and the only reason I threw it on there is because I noticed it's it's sort of a combo-y, I win right now type of card. If you could find a way to mill yourself effectively... Uh, it is the sort of thing that this could this could equate 8 9 10 11 12 power for two mana and your opponent probably wouldn't see it coming and it's also counters not until end of turn so it creates a it permanently enormous threat this is one of those cards where if you were to play this is one of those cards that if you were to play some sort of uh, lots of mill effects and you played cards like jace's phantasm or something you could choose who to mill depending on how you wanted to win if you milled yourself your phantasm would get huge if you milled them your phantasm gets
1: huge on a on a more on a deck that kinda exists, Dredgevine, it's around. We've yep. talked about it before. We'll eventually deck tech it. But this is a card that you're self milling yourself with and you have a, a high glut of creatures because you need them for Vengevine to work. And this can just make any of your, your hedron crabs or your birds of paradise into a big threat. The issues with it, I can imagine, are A, it's just terrible against any targeted removal. Yep. I mean, you still get the value of three creatures, I guess, but it's still just, like, completely blanks and you lose, <laughs> like, a lot of value out of it. On top of that, it's not a creature, and because Vengevine is so interested in playing as many creatures as possible, this hurts your game plan with itself and with your other cards. Yeah. Um It's a loose. It was just an idea, so. Yeah. Oh, I, I definitely think it has potential.
0: Cool. Next is Hero's Blade. It's an equipment for two. Uh, equipped creature gets plus three, plus two. Whenever a legendary creature enters the battlefield under your control, you may attach hero's blade to it. Equip is four.
1: So the reason this card is interesting, I put it on the list. It's probably really, really loose. But the fact that you can play this on turn two and play Geist on turn three and then just swing for a hexproof six, four with four in the air. So 10 damage on turn three or four seems strong. Seems pretty loose. But it seems (laughs) seems, seems possible. And the problem is it just does nothing if you don't have other legendary creatures. Right, right, right. right. I I think there's a possibility with the previously mentioned card, um, Alicia, that one who misses death or something along those lines. Laughs at death. um, Laughs at death is... You know, those are two legendary creatures that are efficient, three drops. This on two, you can make kind of maybe a legendary aggressive deck. Yeah, there's good, there's good go creatures. Yeah. Ismaru and
2: Brismaz or whatever that white card and right, in standard is. Right, exactly. So, like,
1: maybe there's an efficient, maybe it needs a couple more two-drop yeah. creatures that are threats, but Thalia is Thalia even in this format. Solid, so, like, yeah. there's possibly something there, and this just, like, will gain you value out of left yeah. field. Uh, anytime equipment is free or cheap is something to maybe look at. Agreed.
0: Next up, we have Humble Defector. It's a 2-1 human rogue for one red and one other, an uncommon. Tap it to draw two cards. Target opponent gains control of Humble Defector. Activate this ability only during your turn. It's a weird card.
1: It's a weird, unique card. So what's important here that really notice is that red never gets you draw two cards hmm. or you draw a card. <laughs> it almost is always paired with a discard. Right. Yeah, you see you have to discard two cards or discard a card to draw that many cards. And so that, first off, is a great place to look. Second, it is a bear and in a an red aggressive deck, which is the exact type of deck that's looking for good card draw, this guy can just attack until you want to draw two cards. You can play him on turn two, just be attacking with him with Goblin Guide. And then the moment you're like, well, they have a blocker. I'm just going to draw cards now. Or they're, they're going to attack it to me. I'm going to block and sack him so he dies and I draw two cards. There's a lot of value there. Yeah.
2: I like cards like this just only for the the, the strict purpose of when they make unique cards that have wonky abilities that are uncommon to what you would normally see on a magic card. It's like things to be taken advantage of. and There are cards that say gain control of all permanents you own, which are interesting, that don't see a lot of play. This is like one of those you look how they interact. I don't think it's really that good. I think that for what it does, it's much more likely you would just play another color that draws cards a little more efficiently, but it's possible. I just don't really like it.
1: Especially if Treasure Cruise leaves the format, red is going to need card draw engines, and this is just like one or two of in your burn deck. Seems strong in the sense that you're just, it's going to attack until you can't attack anymore, and then at that point, it's going to draw you cards or block. He's and a 2-1, right? He's
2: a 2-1. Yeah, so gut shot. You he's like he's on curve.
1: Yeah, exactly. So like, they even if they try to kill it, as long as he's untapped... It loses them value, yeah. And on top of that, it's aggressively costed enough attacking wise that mm. we could see play. So
2: yeah, it, you could also, I suppose, I suppose on curve you could play him on two, draw your cards, and then electrolyze, killing
1: him, getting the extra card, and
2: doing one of the domes. Right. That That's, seems de- that seems decent.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's there's definitely cool shenanigans to do with him, or like just. Anger of the Gods, draw two cards, Anger, kill all creatures. You draw two cards and kill all their creatures seems decent. There's, yeah. like, ways to definitely play around with it.
0: Not bad. See, I would have been more interested if you could use his ability during the end of their turn. But the fact that you can only use it on your turn, because at least then you could, you know, tap it, give it to them, draw two cards, draw one card on your turn. It's like a three-card advantage kind of thing.
1: I mean, the issue with that is that they don't want it to be too defensive. Right. They don't want you to be able to block and then sack it for value.
2: Because that sounds like a straight up made for Delver card, whereas they need the sorcery ability so that it's like clunky and aggressive. Red and, It's aggressive. Yeah. It's
1: the same reason a lot of the black uh, get them back from my graveyard cards can't block. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. There's just like developmental reasons for it. That...
2: It's fair. I don't see this card seeing any play in modern, but I could be wrong. Yeah.
0: Next up we have Meringue River Prowler. It's a 2 1 human rogue for one blue and two other, uncommon. Meringue River Prowler can't block and can't be blocked. You may cast Meringue River Prowler from your graveyard as long as you control a black or green permanent.
1: So, I put this card on the list. The main, main reason is that there are almost zero cards under four mana cost that let you cast themselves creature cards from the graveyard. And the reason that's relevant is Vengevine's entire deal is you need to cast the creature cards. So, the fact that you can mill this with your Vengevine's and be able to get those Vengewines back due to the being able to cast it from your graveyard is a huge value gain that that deck kind of does need. Because um, often what you find is you spend all your time discarding cards that you no longer have creatures in your hand to be able to get the Vengewines you've discarded back. This lets you kind of do that. The only other card is the 5, 6 for 3 that uh, you have to exile 3 creatures from your graveyard that isn't very good. So this is kind of a more efficient not as big of a body but better for what you're trying to do version of that card
2: in the traditional sense i think what you're saying is totally true the other reason i think this card is interesting is for this one reason it's very very rare that magic cards reference a permanent of a color as opposed to a creature of a color so the fact that this card could be played in some sort of control build where like even just what we were talking about maybe you're playing cards like waste not or megrim and you're making discard and sacrificing things you can consistently replay them and attack with them and even though it's slow all you have to do is control a permanent, not a creature. So you could have something in play that's netting you card advantage. And just keep bringing this guy back.
1: Blue-black control deck or blue-black axe control deck. That's yeah. playing, you know, Phyrexian Arena or any of the black exactly. card drawing gins. There, there's definitely advantages to be gained with this card.
0: All right. So next up we have Mardu Woe Reaper. It's a two-one human warrior for one white. It's an uncommon. Whenever Mardu Woe Reaper or another warrior enters the battlefield under your control, you may exile target creature from a graveyard. If you do, you gain one life.
2: So the only reason this is on the list is because I think it's interesting that this paired with Dryad Militant makes it eight uh, two-power, one-drop effects in white that can help mitigate the effect of your opponent's graveyard. And if Treasure Cruise leaves the format, then it's less relevant, but just the fact that you can do this sort of thing right now... And eight is much better than four, and it's much more consistent. You always look for redundancy. I think it's interesting. I, I don't know if there's a deck there, but
1: I think with Scavenging Ooze, the aggressive decks kind of have their deal. And I think the uh, the potential to be blown out with this card and any of these two one white cards. The reason they don't really see play is so high with Electrolyze, sure. shot, Lightning Bolt, even. But like Pyroclasm is the biggest problem. Is like that wrecks you totally. Fair, yeah. Totally. Uh, um, next card.
0: <laughs> so next up we have Mastery of the Unseen. It's a rare enchantment for one white and one other. Whenever a permanent you control is turned face-up, you gain one life for each creature you control. You can also pay three at one white and three colorless. Manifest the top card of your library.
1: So this is maybe my favorite manifest card of the cards that are available because A... It's one of the white ones. You can play it early and then while you're keeping your hand up for say Restoration Angel or other things that kind of stop your opponent from doing stuff, you can at the end of their turn if they don't do anything, manifest. So you're gaining value towards the end of the game. It's a great control card. And I think, you know, any type of control threat that ugh, any type of control threat that's hard to deal with is something to keep an eye on. It's not the best against Abrupt Decay, but you can gain value off of it and so it definitely has potential. And it basically says put a 2-2 creature in and 60% of the time draw a card. Seems decent.
2: Seems fine. Uh, I tend to stay away from cards like this for some reason. Control isn't really my game usually. Uh, Tempo is more my game. I can see how there can be value here, and it is definitely the the repeatable manifest on it makes it with that stuff we're talking about and trying to break that ability. It's probably the easiest to try to break the ability with. But it does seem a bit slow, and it's much easier to respond to when you're not getting a really unfair
1: creature early. The thing to also remember is... I guess the two things to really remember is that the fact that any threat you can play in a control deck that you can pay for an inefficient amount, but then at your leisure make it a threat is something to keep an eye on. Sure. On top of that, because Snapcaster Mage is the format, you actually gain a little bit more value if they kill your creatures. Sure. So if you're like, I manifest a lightning bolt, and they're like, well, I, and they don't know, and they, it's just a 2-2 creature, and they have to block it or kill it, then you just put a lightning bolt in your graveyard that you can then can Snapcaster, man. That's interesting. Uh, snapcast back later. That's very
0: interesting. Uh, So next up is Merciless Executioner. It's a 3-1 orc warrior for one black and two other. It's an uncommon. When Merciless Executioner enters the battlefield, each player sacrifices
1: a creature. Fleshbag Marauder number two. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, the one relevant thing is now there are exactly eight of this effect. This effect has always been borderline playable. Keep an eye out on it. I don't think... Right now there's a home for it. I think Liliana is just better, but possibly with this many versions of the deck, something with Sun Titan or some way of recurring them seems like a possible strong ability.
2: It's like the flip side of exactly what we were just talking about with the white creatures. It's like there's now eight of this this effect that like doesn't really see play, but it seems in theory like it's possibly to be good, exactly. Exactly. So.
0: All right. So next we have Monastery Mentor. Uh, it's a 2-2 human monk for one white and two other. Has prowess. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, put a one-one white monk creature token into the with prowess into the battlefield.
1: So this is one of maybe the three cards that's becoming the face of Fate Reforged. This is the most expensive card in the set right now. I think it's overrated. So you know a lot of the comparisons are being made to Young Pyromancer. The difference between two and three mana and the colors that they're in is so huge. I think color is less relevant, but I think the fact that I mentioned this earlier, but three mana can kill you tapping out four, while two mana can set you up for a game that they can't beat you on.
2: I mean, let's not forget, Young Pyro was printed a long time ago, and it took a long time before that card, like, exited just the world of, like, casual and fun and actually became competitive. People didn't play that card, like, right when it came
1: out. I mean, it got some play in Legacy, and it saw some play in Modern, but it wasn't a, the dominating force that it is right, right now until Delver became a thing. And and when it comes down to it, the way Modern works is tapping on turn two is fine, but you once you hit turn three, the things you're playing have to be much more powerful or you need to be mid in the game in some other way Hmm. and this isn't that type of deck in Delver on turn three you want to already have your threats in play and get onto the stop your opponent from doing stuff game plan and this hurts that game plan
2: yeah it's I think I think the, the more interesting deck to think about than this going in like a Delver shell would actually be probably the deck that doesn't play blue at all it would probably be like a deck that played black, white, red, played Pyromancer and this, and on turn one could, like, thought-see something out of their hand so that you weren't actually worried
1: about losing. Like a mid-range version of, of right. Pyromancer. Yes, and it could be strong there, but then you're walking into, like, that deck wants to play a lot of creatures, which then are bad with this card. Right. It These prowess cards are meant to be played in... <coughs> these prowess cards are meant to be played in tempo decks, and... This card just hurts your tempo game plan. One, that one extra mana is so bad.
2: But the one thing that white does have that blue doesn't is that white has really efficient token making cards. And so when you can play instant speed cards that make tokens, and this makes tokens, and sort of, like, overrun effects, like, you know, I mean, Rally the Peasants is a really bad example, but that kind of thing, if you can get a bunch of, like, it's much more realistic. Uh, and I'm not saying it's good for that reason. I'm but is saying. this
1: better than some of the other token creators? If you're doing a black-white token plan, for instance, I'd rather have Elsbeth and other cards that, and then, like, my turn three be just some efficient spells than tapping out on turn... Like, I tap out for this, and they play Deceiver Xark into Splinter Twin, and i literally die that turn, and that's not an uncommon situation.
2: Yeah, I don't think it's great. I'm just saying I don't think it's... You said it's significantly overrated as the most expensive card. That's true. I don't think it's going to be great. I think it's possible. I think it's
1: much worse than Pyromancer. I think it's going to be good in Standard. Yeah. I think that this card is not going to be nearly as good as Pyromancer. Even though the tokens it's making are better and it is a better creature, Pyromancer coming down a turn early is just so much bigger of a game. It's kind of what we talked about between Treasure Cruise and Dig Through Time. Dig Through Time is good, but the fact that Treasure Cruise can cost one mana is significant. Yeah. Agreed.
0: Alright, so next is Monastery Siege. Uh, it's a rare enchantment for one blue and two other. Uh, as Monastery uh, Siege enters the battlefield, choose Cons or Dragons. I love these cards. So, Cons, at the beginning of your draw step, draw an additional card, then discard a card. Dragons, spells your opponent's cast that target you or a Planeswalker or a permanent you control, cost two more to cast.
2: So, this cycle of cards, it's Really good flavor. Um, I think it's cool. Uh, I but, like this one because it costs three. It's the most efficient. The two abilities are, are unique. Uh, the fact that you can get them down on, in blue on the same card. And the second one is the same ability that Frost Titan has, which is was pretty undervalued
1: when it first came out. But for everything you have, not just itself. Frost Titan only had it on Frost Titan.
2: Yeah, so this is interesting. One, one of the major things you see in blue when they give you this kind of effect is it's often counter that... <coughs> One of the things you often see in blue is that it's often counter that ability unless they pay two. And with those illusion cards we're talking about, like Frostwalker uh, and Phantasmal Bear, the fact they can't target your thing unless they pay two more makes it much, much more difficult if you
1: were to land this after landing some really threats. The other side, you know, I think this card currently won't see any play as long as Jeskai Ascendancy is in the format. But if they ban Jeskai Ascendancy and decks are looking for a blue enchantment that lets you kind of make your draw step better and lets you cycle through cards at, for free this could see play and then on top of that if you're a deck like it has like choices are always something to look at the reason charms are always good and playable in every format when they come out is because even though they're all small effects having the choice to be better depending on what's going on is so much so important that like it Definitely ups power level on these types of cards.
2: The last thing to mention about this that does make it unique is how many how many blue consistent discard effects can you think of that are in modern that would enable you to fill your graveyard with specific cards and or would enable like something like Madness, which is a fringe ability, but it's that kind of thing to keep in mind. You can you can discard a card every turn. You're going to have the ability right to trigger that every single turn. Yeah, so, something to think
0: about. Next is Rally the Ancestors. It's a rare instant for two white and X. Return each creature card with converted mana cost X or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. Exile those creatures at the beginning of your next upkeep. Exile Rally of the Ancestors.
2: So this has, like, obvious combo implications built in, where you just fill your graveyard with, like, a whole bunch of hasty red creatures, and then you play this, and they all come into play, and you attack for a whole bunch. Uh... Right, if you get
1: Goblin Guide, like, there's so many good... Monastery Sweeper, even. There's so many good one and two drop red creatures with haste that if you have some way to get them into your graveyard in some efficient manner on turn four you can cast this and you now like have a board filled with like just a bunch of damage that your opponent can't handle it's definitely a combo card there's also some value probable decks that maybe can gain value of it like an aristocrats thing but i think the definite game plan is just get a bunch of haste red creatures in the play attack with them gg move on so
0: next up we have renowned weaponsmith uh, he's a 1-3 human artificer for one blue and one other. It's an uncommon. Tap him, add two to your mana pool, spend this mana only to cast artifact spells or activate abilities of artifacts. Or you can pay one blue and tap him. Search your library for a card named Heart Piercer Bow or Vial of the Dragonfire. Reveal it and then put it into your hand, then shuffle your library.
2: So the second ability is interesting. Only because we don't know what Dragon
1: Vile. It's only relevant if Dragon Vile is yeah. like, one drop artifact, sack it, do three damage to target creature. <laughs> right. Some, like, good Something spell. good.
2: Probably is not relevant. Now this, we talked about the Grand Architect deck kind of recently, and it's interesting to see now between... Are you saying that
1: you like cards that go with Grand Architect? <laughs> is that something that you like to do, then?
2: <laughs> they recently printed the Convoke two drop version guy in M15, I think. And this guy, and then there's the one from Darksteel, and th- and there's Ethereum Sculptor. There's a lot of two drops you can try to curve into Grand Architect with. None of them really are as good, probably, as Ethereum Sculptor. So this guy kind of just gets
1: like, for modern, like whatever. Well, the question is, is this better than the Convoke one? Because the Convoke, this is like basically the Convoke one. It has a lot of similarities to the Convoke one, but is the deck we're talking about? Is it better that you can just tap this for two mana? Or when you don't get Grand Architect, or is it the fact that the other one can kind of tap for three mana, or like does a different impression? Yeah,
2: I think I think what uh, it comes down to is that Grand Architect deck doesn't play anything that costs one right now that's an artifact, and if it did, then the Convoke guy would be better, because you could just play him and cast something with him. Yeah. Whereas, I think, if, if the deck is entirely two to four and five and six drops, it's kind of six of one half does the other. I mean, you could... If you needed to play a ton of them, if you had some strategy that was like total redundancy, you now have the ability to play a ton of two drops. Right. But I don't know how relevant that is.
1: So it also comes down to what the tutor effect is. If the thing is relevant for the deck, it's possible a thing. Um, I actually think that there's a standard artifact deck that was kind of floating around that's almost completely based off of M15 cards that this could cycle into and make much more powerful. Um, until that, so in standard, it's possibly going to see play. Because it's a, an additional effect to the Convoke one? We'll
0: see. Yeah. All right, so next we have Soulfire Grandmaster. Ooh. This is probably <laughs> my favorite card in the set.
1: This is probably a lot of people's favorite cards in the, set. My it's, favorite uh, card in the set.
0: All right, so Soulfire Grandmaster is a 2-2 human monk for one white and one other for a mythic rare. So it has lifelink. Instant and sorcery spells you control have lifelink. And for two hybrid mana of blue or red and two colorless... The next time you cast an instant or sorcery spell from your hand this turn, put that card into your hand instead of into your graveyard as it resolves.
1: So there's really two major, there's three relevant things about this. A, 2-2 lifelink for two. Not the most efficient card on the planet, but I've seen worse cards you play. More importantly, giving spells lifelink. Yep. This has never been done before, so this is, you know, once again, you're looking at a unique effect on a two-drop Mythic Rare, which, like, every time a two-drop is powerful and has a unique effect, you need to pay attention. Right. That's, like, Stoneforge Mystic, no one paid attention to it, and then it bit everyone in the butt yep. a year later. This guy, you know, every burn spell is now Lightning Helix, and Lightning Helix is double Lightning Helix. <laughs> it's crazy, it's crazy. <laughs> so, just signing this into the blue-white-red decks that have been around in the format forever, seems like a strong play. They've always needed kind of a low threat that needs to be answered in many ways yep. at times and this kind of this kind of could become the Stoneforge Mystic of moderns, and Stoneforge Mystic is banned.
2: The one thing that I hear every single EDH kid complain about with this card is that it's not legendary. Every one of them uh, was like, yeah. why is this guy I
1: thought it like was, like... when I first read it, I was like, that's a legendary creature. And Seems like, like it. I mean,
2: this would be the best general ever. It'd be
1: right, so that's the ridiculous.
0: problem. <laughs> and a lot of times, like, that's what they did with Prophet of crufix right? Because yeah. I mean, that would be such a broken, broken general. And I think this would be the same thing. Like, you It'd know, Team America with, you know, Lifelink and Instance and Sorcery is just come back to your hands crazy
1: enough about commander let's talk about modern (laughs) the format we're supposed to be talking about excellent uh really the third ability on this card is the most important the fact that you can buy back spells this can range anywhere from just infinite lightning bolts yep to that have lifelink yeah just for fun to infinite turns
2: uh i will i will say this about this card i have three things to say about this card uh the first one training grounds anybody uh <laughs> i love card yeah, yeah. i love the card training <laughs> yeah, right? grounds and i've always always been convinced that if you found the right card that was good without it training grounds would just just make a card insane and with this card this card alone there's just some crazy stuff you can do the second thing i will say about it is obviously uh the colors that it's in it seems like it's sort of built to go in the deck you're talking about in blue and right. red that seems very 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 powerful and then the last part of it is, I, I just like that the hybrid ability on, on the activated ability allows you to put it into
1: either decks. Boros decks or blue-white decks. Yeah. I mean, something also to pay attention to, you know, with the buyback, buying back of Return is going to lock out most opponents from the game. Buying back um, Lightning Bolt is going to lock out a lot of opponents from the game. Buying back Manolique is going to stall the game until you get to the point where you're going to win the game anyways. There are so many of these cards that this blue-white-red deck already plays that, like, if you get them back every turn late game, great. Early game, if you're just getting a guy who's going to gain you some life to keep you alive against opponents that are trying to get in the red zone, great. Like, there there are so many different advantages of this card in the blue-white-red deck that that deck kind of needs. The biggest problem is that it's the only card in the deck that's going to open you up to, like, their removal spells being relevant. Which I'm not the most worried about.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's 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 also combo ish. I mean, there's a lot of, I'm sure there's going to be a hundred combos that people yeah, I mean, come out with.
1: It, you would almost have to play like one time, uh, time walk, not time walk. What's the time warp? Yeah, you, you almost have to play one time warp in the deck so that you can just like, if I get eventually the nine, go infinite. If you get the nine mana, yeah. you win. There's no way your opponent can beat you.
2: There's probably a version of the deck that wants to play like Icecron Scepter, <clears throat> Icecron Scepter in silence. There's probably a version of this deck that wants to play, like, Isochron, in and Silence, so then all of a sudden, on two mana, you can just, like, lock them out with Silence. Yeah, the, the fog decks in the
1: form of the turbo fog decks. It. Yeah, so, anyway. There's definitely a lot of cool things you can do with this card. For sure.
0: Cool. So, next, we have Soul Flare. It's a 4-4 Demon for two black and four other. It's a rare. Delve. If a creature card with flying was exiled with Soul Flare's Delve ability, Soul Flare has flying. The same is true for First Strike, Double Strike, Death Touch, Haste, Hexproof, Indestructible, Lifelink, Reach, Trample, and Vigilance.
2: So this card immediately brings to mind the original the original Delve card, which was, or I shouldn't say the original Delve card, but the original Delve creature, which was Tombstalker from Future Sight. Nobody I, really, I think this kills Tombstalker. I agree, I agree. Nobody really plays Tombstalker. Uh it was a it used to get some play in legacy. I don't know if it still does, but it's sort of the same kind of thing. It's better. Uh it,
1: it's like
2: combo-y in a way. There's definitely a cool
1: combo-y creature deck that, like, just for value, if you just notice you're playing a black deck that somehow gets cards into the graveyard often enough, and a lot of those cards have keyword abilities, you can then get, like, just for value play this, and it can be a Hexproof, Flying, Vigilance, First Strike for just no reason. And on top of that, if you're trying to combo off with this, there's definitely ways where you can just go crazy and play on turn two or turn three just a impossible to defeat threat.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's it's very combo y, and then you can even just think about cards that are just have a lot of abilities and are good, like Vampire Nighthawk or, or something. Like
1: Baneslayer Angel. Yeah. yeah, like they're just. Or yeah, Vampire. Like this with Vampire Nighthawk in your deck seems insane. Yes. Yeah, and then, crazy. like, you're just building a giant Vampire Nighthawk or building your own black Baneslayer Angel. Like, there's so many, like, powerful yeah. cards that are just. This card has all of the abilities. You can do that with this. Yeah,
2: agreed.
0: Sweet. All right, so next up is Tasiger the Golden Fang. He's a 4-5 legendary creature, human shaman, one black, five other, delve. Two hybrid mana of blue or green and two other. Put the top two cards of your library into your graveyard, then return a non-creature card of an opponent's choice from your graveyard
1: to your hand. So this is blatantly my favorite card in the set. <laughs> 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 Basically... This is what Hooting Mandrel's wanted to be. Yes, Trample is relevant, but what's more important because your game plan with Dredgevine, which is the deck that this just shuffles right into, <laughs> is to get a bunch of a bunch of threats at once. So Trample isn't relevant, you're going around them anyways. What's relevant is that you're getting a 4-5 versus a 4-4, which can go through a Tarmogoyf or at least bounce against a Tarmogoyf. And on top of that, you're getting a card draw engine with this coming into play. We mentioned this earlier. One of the problems Vengeion has is you get all these cards in your graveyard, but it takes your whole hand to do it, and you don't have a way to start buying things back. This guy lets you start drawing creatures or drawing cards while continuing the game plan of putting more cards into your graveyard. There are so many cool things that it does all at once that the deck just needed to happen for a pretty low cost, and if, worst case scenario, you're getting a 4-5 for one, that's ma- that's magical Christmas land already, so the- all these other abilities are just icing on the cake.
2: Seems, yeah, very, very good. Uh How different do you think if you were to
1: win the Invitational would your card look from this? Uh, My face would be, like, right there. I also don't know if I want to be shirtless on a Magic card.
2: (laughs) Tweet us if you want to see Alex Kessler shirtless on a Magic card.
0: (laughs) All right, so next is Temporal Trespass. It's a mythic sorcery for three blue and eight other. Delve. Take an extra turn after this one. Exile temporal trespass. So
2: this is funny because I, I I sort of think that if you like read a lot about magic, you study a lot about magic, you start to notice trends, and then people like to over and undervalue things based on what's happened in the past. There's been a lot of undervaluing with elf cards recently that we have obviously now found out. Treasure cruise and dig through time are amazing. I think this card's bad. Uh, I just I guess it's okay in the same way that like temporal
1: mastery was okay. I have, I have four specific things to notice about this card. Oh please. Uh, one, I think. It's possible this card is good. I think the reason I say that is because it's being super undervalued right now. And not necessarily good, but maybe better than people think it is. Delve has been consistently undervalued. And because of cards like Temporal Mastery and the other Time Walks that have all kind of busted. Every time they've printed one of the Power 9 Blue cards other than Treasure Cruise, they've been bad. And so people are like, this has to be like those. It seems bad. Probably bad. Great. So if there's a mythic that like could just blow things out of the water, this could be it. Beyond that, I also think just time walk effects aren't that strong. I think they're strong, but they're not backbreaking versus draw three cards. And Delving 8 is a lot, 3 blue is a problem. The last thing that I do find interesting about this card is I think Dig Through Time, this card, and Treasure Cruise, I think Dig Through Time originally was Time Twister. I think they printed Ancestral Recall on one, Time Twister on two, Time walk on three, and that was a cycle, a vertical cycle they had originally, and then realized Time Twister for two is bonkers and made it into Dig Through Time, which has some trappings of that. Looking at seven cards is kind of like drawing seven cards. There's like similarities in there that I can completely imagine that that was just like a cycle they made, and then they realized that one of them was way too strong.
2: On that note, it is hilarious to think about like the original magic set and them just like sitting there being like, oh yeah, we're going to make these, uh, you know, the mocks and the lotuses, and then blue will just have these three effects. They'll be great. They're all going to be blue. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Time Lister probably could have been black It was red at some point I think Richard Garfield also knew what he was doing he, He's in interviews been like Oh yeah, I knew all those cards were overpowered But I didn't think this card game would be popular enough Where card availability would be a problem Where you can have more than one right. so that I would make like one or two sets Like most games back then especially Were like not that many people bought them So people probably have like 40 cards They probably like buy a booster pack And like one of the pre-made decks And just like that's the deck they had. He what didn't the, think... There was only no only pre-made like 50... decks back then. Yeah. There were, no, there, were the, there was the starter, starter pack. Starter oh, right, right, yeah, 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 you yeah, had yeah, 75
2: cards. Yeah. But, I mean, wasn't uh, didn't Alpha only have, like, 1,500 print run or Yeah, sheets? Alpha was
1: super small. I mean, Beta was a little bit bigger. 2,800, I yeah, think. Yeah, so, like, it... it on top of that, was hard to get these cards, but that's why they were so expensive.
2: Speaking of which, did either... I know this is like an off-subject, but did either of you guys see that video on YouTube recently of the guy pulling the Lotus? Oh, of yeah,
0: course. Yeah, of
1: course. Amazing. just like,
0: And Tropical Island. It's really yeah. funny. Yeah. Anytime, it's awesome.
1: Any time, any magic-related thing, like and all ventures into regular pop culture, yeah. 17 people posted on yeah, my Facebook wall. Because yeah, oh, they're see. like, oh, oh, hey, look, this butt crack <laughs> yeah, thing. I, 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 just, got, the, I, I swear, got the butt crack on wall yeah. <laughs> like six times. People too. that I haven't
0: talked to in 10, 15 years hit me up that day. Like, people friended me on Facebook because of that post, which was... Oh, uh, man. So funny, the butt crack <laughs> thing. God,
1: just kept oh, getting yeah. reposted. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I like, I'll get, like, I recently got the butt crack thing reposted on my wall six months <laughs> later because some random guy was like, oh, yeah, Alex plays magic. I just saw this for the first this time. Is hilarious. Have you seen this? When the magic movie was announced, I had a hundred people post on my wall being like, oh, have you heard there's a magic movie coming out? Do you I'm know like, yes, I day? knew way before you did. Do we know the release date of that yet? Or? Uh, it's 2018? No. Okay. But that's also 2018 if they develop it on time and yeah, right, go right. every. Well, Do we
0: even know what that's going to be about? Is it going to be following? Planeswalkers, yeah, or is it going to be they're, they're, following they're... people like us playing Magic no, on the table? It's
1: they've stated that the reason it's they created decking. the Neo Planeswalkers was because they were having a hard time selling their property to people because they didn't have consistent characters yeah, exactly. and IP to follow. So it's going to be following Jace.
2: Yeah, he's the, he's the main guy.
1: In fact, one of the reasons I think they're going to turn down having Jace show up too much is I think they're afraid of Jace fatigue, and they want when Jace is in the movie to be like people like him. Because yeah, currently, right. Jace is like, oh, Jace again. Blah. All right, we're tangenting now. Let's okay. finish.
0: <laughs> All right, so next we have Timur Battle Mage. It's a uh, common instant for one red and one other. Target creature gains double strike until end of turn.
2: So this is only relevant basically for like infect decks that want a trample version of what, uh, what uh,
1: Double Cleave already does. Right, so Double Cleave is actually probably pretty close to playable in these decks. And the reason it wasn't is because. Giving something a double strike isn't the best thing on the planet, but trample is. And really if you read this card is it what it really says is target creature gets plus four, first strike and uh trample, yeah. that card would see play in effect. If it was Y
0: plus four. So I I did miss the ferocious ability that that creature also gains trample until end of turn if it has power four or greater. So
1: plus four or better because to be ferocious, it has to be a four X. Right, So the point is, like this would be something to follow up an already big creature. Like giant growth into this is then just kill them. Yep. Um, They'd have to be playing red. Mind you, there's been, people have started playing just black green, in fact. Like uh, Ben Stark just posted... On Star City Games, a video series of him playing just Black Green Infect, and the Black Green Infect deck could probably move into red, like the Black Green used to be blue Black Green. Sure. And for cards like this, or, you know, the the red under-costed Infect creatures that don't normally see play because of the yeah. fact that... Red is the least has the least amount of infect creatures in it.
2: Also, I mean, for as far as I know, those decks don't really want to play. But as far as removal goes, you get access to the best card in the format. Lightning, lightning bolt, yeah.
1: yeah, you just play it. So which, which I mean, they do play in a tempo style deck. So having lightning bolt, yeah, seems like it couldn't be Gary a the blocker, worse. Yeah. Cetera, I
0: do play infect in modern, and I have seen a few red uh, red green brews that that do seem fun. That this could be cool in. Uh, So next up we have Ugin the Spirit Dragon. He's a Planeswalker for 8, has uh, 7 loyalty counters coming in. His plus 2 Ugin the Spirit Dragon deals 3 damage to target creature or player. Minus X, exile each permanent with converted mana cost X or less. That's 1 or more colors. And minus 10, you gain 7 life, draw 7 cards, Put up to seven permanent cards from you your win hand the game. <laughs> yeah, onto the battlefield.
2: So
1: it's another colorless planeswalker. Is it's it? Karn 2.0. It's
2: the second one, right? Yeah, it's the yes. second one.
1: Karn was the first one, seven mana. Um this has the highest potential of seeing play in Tron or control decks. Yep. Um, Tron more likely, because you could probably get this. They definitively can get this on turn four. A lot of people are like, well, you can't get it on turn three for the seven mana thing, which is what Karn is doing, and I don't think they're gonna cut down on Karns for this. But The fact that normally they really only do that on turn four anyways, because normally it goes, you know, Tron land, followed by uh, red green land, so that you can Sylvan Scry for another Tron land, eventually getting the the fourth land in play to having the full Tron cycle. This then comes into play that turn, and the minus ability is really what's important. Lightning Bolting every turn is fine. We already know that the format is built to be lightning bolt, you know, resistant, so that's not as strong as maybe it would be in standard, but... The fact that you can play this, wipe their board, and keep a, like, lightning bolt on a stick in play is very strong.
2: Yeah, it costs eight mana. I mean, the idea of doing... If you can resolve something for eight mana in modern, like, actually cast something for eight right. mana, you're probably winning. I mean, yeah,
1: I mean, but the point is that this is the... Because it's colorless, the one deck that can cast
2: eight mana spells... And I don't mean Treasure Cruise, by the way.
1: Well, <laughs> you still are probably winning. Yeah, yeah, you're probably <laughs> winning. <laughs> I mean, the one deck that can play colorless mana this high, is it needs to be colorless. So that's why it's kind of relevant. Like anything that's that big is relevant in that deck.
2: Yeah, uh, I think it's interesting from a flavor perspective that Ugin would end up showing up in this set. It's it's fine. I just I feel like when they go back to
1: Eldrazi or when they Zendikar. go back to Zendikar, you I would have expected. Well, I think that's the point. I think this is the prequel to Zendikar. I I mean we've I've gone yeah. on record before already on this, but I think Zendikar's next fall. I think yeah. they've spent with Commander products and this and M fifteen a significant amount of time reminding the world of zendikar yeah right the commander product two of the commanders were zendikar characters yeah uh the m15 had one of those characters as a demon again it had soul of zendikar
0: we've heard rumors of them reprinting the other set of the fetchlands again
1: and well the fetchlands also being the format i actually don't think they're gonna reprint the enemy fetchlands but standard will have fetchlands with landfall starting in the fall yeah so like it, it's all of these unique ways that things are working together. I it, it just makes a lot of sense. It's possible that I'm just blatantly wrong, but Wizards has done so much setup for it that it'd be so surprising if we don't go back to the old. Do you think point. it's it's mm-hmm.
2: highly likely that we see the enemy
1: color colored manlands? Yes, yes, that I yeah. think is highly likely, and even possibly the lands of the next fall set.
2: Yeah, because
1: we're going to the two black thing, so every every fall set will have like lands, and then the next fall uh, yeah you know, so the way it'll end up working i can imagine enemy land, man lands in the fall to kind of go and we're now the Eldrazi version of the world yeah and then zendikar block will play out yeah,
0: yeah cool epic
1: <laughs> more monsters Yeah. more of my <laughs> money so going excited. to wizards
0: of the coast <laughs> all right so next we have we have warden of the first tree so one one human for one green it's a mythic. Uh, one white or black hybrid mana and one colorless. Warden of the First Tree becomes a human warrior for the power and toughness 3 3. He's basically a figure of, destiny. figure of destiny in green, white, and black.
1: So the issue is, figure of destiny is not seeing any modern play, and it's just blatantly better than this card and can see play in more decks than this card. The only way I can imagine this seeing is if there's like a if green black wants it. Hmm. And the green-black wants Figure of Destiny, and they don't have access to it, so they haven't been able to play it. But now they have this card, like, as a, a weird Deathrite Shaman threat version of the card. I I just don't see this card being that good in Modern. I, I honestly think it's overrated for Standard, even. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? it, it's notable because it's the first time that they've ever printed a one-drop Mythic. Mythic. Right. Yeah. The, the, on a financial perspective... It's the second time they've ever done a one-drop Mythic. The first one was uh, Dragon Master Outcast. Oh, sure, sure, um, sure. From Zendikar block. This one has the potential to be better. Yep. Because it, it has a better lineage, and it's just, like, its ability is relevant earlier. And it's good with Training Grounds, yeah. so once again.
0: Was Dragon Master <laughs> <And that's, laughs> Outcast that's the key. Uh, a mythic? mythic? Yeah.
1: Yeah. It definitely was. So no, next no, we did up, that one
0: already. okay. next up is Right Into Being. This it's is actually a-
1: the last card,
0: so.
2: Yep. This is yeah. the last card. And did I mention, by the way, that Warden of the is good with training grounds? Did I say that right?
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, not yet. Uh, so next is Right Into Being. It's a common sorcery for one blue and two other. It says, look at the top two cards of your library. Manifest one of those cards. Then put the other on top or bottom of your library.
2: So this has the close second is my other favorite manifest card. that's that behind the cloud form or sky yeah. form, whatever the heck that card's called. Uh and I think it's awesome. I think it's awesome that it's, like, essentially
1: Scry and Manifest on the same card. Right. Well, sc- it basically lets you Screnifest? guarantee yeah, right? more, more legitimately awesome. that you're getting the creature you want to sneak into play or cheat into play, depending if it's giant or has a negative effect. Mm. It allows you to make sure you get those instead of the lands and sorceries you don't want to be grabbing. Do you
2: it think there. it's totally appropriately costed? You couldn't have made it cost two, right?
1: No, I think it'd be I think it'd be too strong. Yeah. I think then in Legacy you have consistent turn three emeralds, if not more than that, because you have like lotus bloom and lotus petals to do it even yeah. faster.
2: Seems seems really good. I like this card yeah. a lot.
1: I'm at, like that's the other point. If it was two, it'd be broken in Legacy. So three seems like it could be good in Modern. Yeah. Because right. you can, I mean, it's not an instant, but, like, your opponent taps out, and they don't know what's going on, you can just be like, boom, boom, Emerald, goodbye. Right. And it even curves out turn three this, they don't have a removal spell for whatever reason, because they're pod. Yeah. Turn four, <laughs> turn four, uh, Restoration Angel... Yep. Your, yeah, your it'd graveyard. be one
0: thing if it was put the other card in your graveyard or at the bottom of your library or at the top of your library, but the fact that you get to choose is, is Ship crazy. Ship the land or whatever.
1: It's yep. just, it seems yeah, well, yeah, you also set up your next card to be good. So, exactly. Like, that's already a decent effect of like... Pseudo drawing a card, yeah. I mean, I, I, I love this card. I think this card three is three mana put playable. a two two
2: into play, and Scry is already like is already good, pretty yeah. reasonable. The yeah. fact that it's like a specific card, and yeah, it's, it seems good. Yeah, I like yeah. this card a lot. Yep. So, overall, I'm, I'm pretty excited for Fate Reforged. Um, I there's think, I think a it's handful a handful of yeah. exciting cards. It does suffer from the second set syndrome a little bit.
1: I think Manifest is awesome, right? I think this set is better than almost any other set, second set in, in memory. Like, a lot of times, third sets are the ones that add the powerful cards because they're like, eh, yeah, we can just mess around and throw in the best ideas we have. And seconds, for a while, yeah. Right. And second sets are like, oh, we want to hold on for the third set before we make all the cool cards, so second sets always kind of suck. Um, that's one of the reasons they're changing the way blocks work is because second sets just generally were bad in the past because yeah. they're like, we don't want to make any good cards, so we'll put one or two good cards, so Jace is the only good card. or like, like and I think that's the last second set that I liked was World Wake.
2: Yeah, that could be true. I didn't mind Dark Ascension. Dark Ascension was alright.
1: Yeah, but it didn't add that much. Like, it's what's the best card in Dark Ascension? Hutt, Master of the Fells, probably. Yeah, I mean, like, I I wouldn't open a Dark Ascension pack. Hmm. I would open Worldwake packs all day. <laughs> <laughs> That's bad. That's bad. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, I think this set's going to be great. Uh, I'm super excited for the draft format. I love what they're. I mean, I'm a big flavor person. I'm a big like, yeah. I like limited. Um, so like the ability where we're going to get like two cool ways, I'm excited to see how it works with dragons of Tarkir, how like, cause there's going to be cards that are bad in draft with of Tarkir that are going to like switch on their head and be great with Dragons on Tarkir.
2: Yeah, the other thing we didn't mention about the cards is that there's a cycle of multicolor legendary dragons that uh, they're not really that good, but as far as commander goes, they are exciting for commander players because yeah, there's anyway. more generals to have multicolor dragons. And
1: I think like in standard, if we want to talk about center cards, I think the blue black one's going to see play. I think I actually think it's like a staple in standard as a control finisher because Gets rid of one which and kills Elspeth right? when it comes into play. Evasive yeah. and Hexproof. Right. And that's, yeah, what we talked about before. Evasive and Hexproof is something to look out for. Always. I mean, Geist of St. Traffed is a format staple, and it's not evasive with Hexproof for a 2-2. Yeah. So, you know, there, there's definitely things to keep an eye out. I think this set's been awesome. I'm really excited. Um, you know, guys, remind you guys always, please email us, tweet at us, find us on the internet. I am Kess Wiley, at Kess Wiley.
2: Uh, I'm Ben Bateman Media on every social media platform. Find me, Instagram, Twitter, and I am at
0: Craig Blanchett.
1: And you know we are at the MM cast. That's probably the best way to find us. Um, you know, Craig is actually he's starting this thing called uh, Toy Surprise Daily. It's a thing where they open up cool toys uh, every day. Why don't you tell people about it a little bit?
0: Yeah, so Toy Surprise Daily is a cool new channel that we started up on YouTube, and uh, you can go to Toy Surprise Daily. And uh, see new toys opened up every day. So we open up a lot of mystery minifigures and um, you know, things of that nature. We do a lot of Lego builds and uh, a lot of fun stuff.
1: You know, define toy surprise daily. Look at the links below on rocketjump.com. Uh, as always, make sure to check out the Command Zone, not the Command Cast, on rocketjump.com. Uh, Craig has actually appeared on that show a couple times.
0: Yes, uh, Jimmy Wong and Josh Lee Kawhi host that. And it's uh, about Commander, which is something that... Uh, you know we all play quite a bit. So if you guys are looking for any kind of uh, interesting looks at Commander or stuff like yeah. that, definitely give them a lesson.
1: And you can check it out. you know, link below. Uh, remember to tweet at us if you think any of our choices for good cards modern or bad cards or we're just blatantly wrong about cards. Right now, tweet us, we we will literally respond to you immediately with our rebuttal of anger and we are always right. Yeah, we're um,
2: super, super, super excited about interacting with you guys about Magic Cards. So If, yeah. you, like, if listen- you guys
0: are looking for a Magic debate, we're the place to go. <laughs> 100%.
1: 100%. Um, yeah, so we'll see you next week. This has been Alex Kessler. Ben Bateman. And Craig Blanchett. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to themmcast at rocketjump.com. See you later, alligator.